Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. We want to turn again to 1 Kings today. I want us to look at chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he rose and went for his life and came to Bethsheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and he did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat, that meat, forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. Amen. This is the fifth sermon in a series that we began a few weeks ago whose overarching theme is quit jiving, forget surviving, and start thriving. Today's message reminds us that we can thrive through times and seasons of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual weariness. I believe all of us have had the experience at some point in time, and if you've not had it, just keep living where you have wanted to throw in the towel. You wanted to quit. You wanted to give up. The Bible, at many points and places, admits of the possibility and the reality of this kind of weariness. There is a, a thread and a theme throughout the scriptures of servants of God experiencing weariness. There's that salient reminder of Jesus' own humanity in John chapter 4 when he comes through Samaria, and he had to go through Samaria. He had a rendezvous 
with a woman who in herself was experiencing a certain kind of weariness. And the Bible says that Jesus therefore being wearied of his journey, he sat down at the well of Jacob. The son of God wearied of his journey. And, and my sense is that there's something going on more than geography. There's something going on more than the miles that he traveled or the meters that he crossed. But there was something about ministry that wearied him. When we first met Elijah in this series in the Word of God, he makes a thunderous interest into the plot line of Scripture as he boldly confronts idolatry in the nation of Israel. And we've tracked his movements from that point, beginning with that first sermon booked at the brook, moving to his experience at Zarephath where he teaches us how to live with living without and how not to stress but to stretch. Amen. And then last week we saw him rumbling at Mount Carmel. But today, today, we see him cowering, complaining under a juniper tree in the corner of a Judean desert. What happened? This, this is not what we've been accustomed to seeing when we encounter Elijah. At this point in the text, Elijah is at best experiencing burnout, at worst, severe depression because the stresses and strains of ministry have taken their toll. God has another lesson to teach Elijah. The lesson now that Elijah is taught by God is that you have to learn to lean. What we see happening in this text today is Elijah, he's still in school, but he's learning to lean. He's learning to lean on God. He's learning to lean on others, and he's learning to lean on the word. First of all, there is the reality that confronted him. And one of those realities in the text is we never vanquish all our enemies or completely live free of struggle. When one reads this text and its context, you sense somehow that Elijah believed that even Ahab and Jezebel would be wooed and won by the irrefutable, clear evidence and demonstration of God's power on Mount Carmel. After News of this great victory after news of how God's power came from on high and consumed the altar and the burnt sacrifice. However, instead of repenting and calling the nation back to serving the Lord, Ahab and Jezebel, Jezebel in particular, her resistance hardened. And her antagonism toward Elijah became more intensified and she sent a message that essentially said this, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not going to rest until you're dead. Elijah had to confront a reality that everybody was not going to be pleased 
with what he did. God does not take all of our struggles away. Even when the Israelites came into the promised land, there were still pockets of resistance. And there's this wonderful passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 3. I want you to look at it, but I'm going to read a part of it, and I think it's so revealing. It says, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And listen to this. This is what God tells Moses to tell the children of Israel. To humble thee. And to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandments. God allows us to go through some things because he wants us to learn how to lean on him. He wants us to learn how to depend on him. Elijah learned that we never vanquish all our enemies or ever free from all of our struggles. He also learned that we are not always strong or perfect. It will take a lot of pressure off of us when we realize that we're not always strong and none of us are perfect. None of us. One of the remarkable things about the Word of God is the uncompromising honesty in which the Bible portrays its heroes. If man had inspired it, there would have been a cover-up. We're not always strong, always perfect. Thomas Carlyle was right when he says that the history of humanity is the history of a few great men. It's the biography of great men, but it's a biography that cuts both ways. Because what goes up comes down. What's exalted can also be brought low. Elijah had to learn that you're not always strong. And you can't always be perfect. There was the reality that confronted him. There was the reaction that crippled him. Elijah was momentarily hobbled and hindered by his reaction to Jezebel's threat. The first thing he did wrong was he took his eyes off the Lord. And he ran. He went, the Bible says, but literally means he fled. He ran for his life. And you know what I find remarkable when I read this text is that Jezebel swore an oath that she was going to take Elijah out. And she says, so let the gods do to me, the little gods in the text, the little gods do to me. Now here's the irony of it, is the same gods, little gods, that Elijah had mocked just a few hours earlier when the idolatrous priests were offering their sacrifices and no answer from heaven. He said, he must not be listening or he must be on vacation or he cannot hear you. She swore to the same gods. Elijah retreated, one great preacher said, before a beaten enemy. He retreated before a beaten enemy. Up until this point, every move Elijah made It was always in the will of God. Elijah had listened to God up to this point, but he had to learn to lean and to know that no matter what, God would be with him. Elijah moved, and God didn't tell him to go. And then the other thing is when he got to Beersheba, he made another wrong decision, another negative reaction to this experience. He chose to leave his servant there and continue his journey. 
Some says that his motives were noble because he wanted to protect the life of his servant. He didn't want him to be in danger by being found in association with Elijah. But when I read the text, I believe what it's telling us is that there are times we don't need to be alone. There ought to be at least one person in your life. One person in your life you can be completely honest and candid with and they'll still love you. And you can't buy these kinds of relationships. You can't buy these kind of friendships. They are gifts from God. Elijah left his servant. The brother had traveled with him for some hundred miles south to this desert place. And then he left him there. We ought to pray that God gives us companions. True friends. That reaction. There are times when we are weary. Peter Kreef talks about how, who would you appreciate in a snowstorm more? The person who stayed with you all night in the snowstorm or the record guy who just showed up and pulled you away that morning. We need friends who will stay with us in the storm. The beauty of storms, and some of us has realized this, is that we'll learn who our friends are. The storms have a way of blowing up stuff that's not rooted down. Even in the life of the church, storms are good from the standpoint it helps pastors to see really what the spiritual condition of the saints are. Because sometimes stuff is not rooted. It might look like it's rooted, but a good wind come, is gone. The third reaction was he, he was weighted down with the cares and concerns of his ministry and his perception was flawed. He says, I'm all alone. And the Lord says, I have 7,000 that haven't bowed down to Baal. Then he says, I'm no better than my father's. Well, the problem with that is God didn't call him because he was better than his father's. God called him out of grace. God called him knowing that he had imperfections, knowing that he had flaws. And then he thought he failed. There were resources that comforted him while he fled, left his servant behind An angel came and ministered to him. The Bible says that the angel prepared bread and drink for Elijah and then woke him up. And Elijah ate. My brothers and sisters, whatever you're going through today, you're not alone. I'm so glad to know that God has angels. He has angels watching over his children. And then the Bible says something remarkable. It says in verse 7, and the angel of the Lord came It's not just an angel. I'm telling you, this is the angel of the Lord. And when the Bible speaks of the angel of the Lord, it is a phrase. It is a a word or a phrase that describes an appearance of Jesus Christ before he was born in Bethlehem. Bible says, and I just want to close on this note, that the angel of the Lord appeared to him the second time and told him to arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. And then it says that he did get up and eat. And he drunk. And the Bible says he went in the strength of that meat. He went in the strength of that meal for 40 days and 40 nights. See, when the Lord shows up and blesses you, What the Lord gives you will hold you. 
You know, I could not help but think about how in all the other instances, and you've been with me as we've gone through the story, how in 1 Kings chapter 17, God sent ravens to feed the prophet. Ravens who don't normally feed their own young. They came and fed Elijah. And he drank from the clear waters of the brook until the Lord told him to move up to Zarephath. A woman of Zarephath, she fed him from a flour barrel that when she first met the prophet, she was getting ready to cook her last meal. And the Bible says that they ate for many days. Now what I want you to see is God is showing Elijah how to lean on God and then how to lean on others. But he's showing us how to lean on his word. The first time he's fed by ravens, it's from bread without. And then when he's fed by the widow of Zarephath, it's with bread from without. But then when we move to this episode, and Jesus, the angel of the Lord, in a theophany or pre-incarnate experience, he feeds the prophet. It's not from food without. Ultimately, it's from food within. This meal that he ate, it was such a great meal that he went in the strength of it for 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, I wish somebody would come up with a meal at the grocery store that I could eat and then would not have to eat again for 40 days and 40 nights. I could just take it home and warm it up. If you want to know what a miracle meal is, that's what we're looking at in the text. You see, since I've become more intentional about weight loss and diet, I find myself reading labels more. I don't just go and buy stuff in the store. When I pick up a package, I'm looking at the carbohydrates. I'm looking at the calories. I'm looking at the dietary fiber. I'm looking at how much sodium is in the meal. But I tell you, when I looked at this label this morning, this is a miracle meal. There's some food that you have to eat that is supplied from without. But there's other food that you got to live on, that you got to survive on, that you got to thrive on, that's food from within. I said, Lord, where is the miracle meal in your word of God? And then I heard Jesus saying, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. You see, what I stopped by to tell you is I got a miracle meal, a miracle meal. When I checked the label, guess what I found out? It's got 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,240 verses. Well, y'all know I like my country hand. And I like my eggs and I like my pecan pancakes, but that's not what helps me thrive in the midst of a storm. When I'm down and out and have nowhere to turn, I got to take some of God's miracle meal. You see, I ate some of the miracle meal this.
this morning and I beefed up a little bit. Uh, I ate some carbs. Uh, yes, I did. The Lord is my light uh, and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? And then I picked up uh, a little bit of fiber where it said, in a time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. And then I got some protein when I read, they that wait on the Lord, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want when I'm tired, when I'm lonely, when I'm disillusioned, I turn to my miracle meal. It will not spoil. It will not corrupt. And when you find it, it will feed you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Trust in the Lord. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will. He will. He will. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? It's not food from without that a whole year is the meal on the inside that when you reach down in the midst of a storm, you find out God will, God can, he will take care. Won't he do it? Elijah ate the meal and for 40 days and 40 nights didn't have to eat anything else. Anybody here know the meal? Is he able? Is he able? Is he able? Is he able? You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.